I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know, the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they missed the bowl of kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, y'all? Wakanda. Wakanda. I forgot we're saying Wakanda. Wakanda. <laughs> Wakanda. Wakanda. You can join in with us, Sam. Wakanda, yeah. We keep it what? Wakanda. Wakanda. All right. Yes, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here. So y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, books, all that shit. <laughs> all of I that. Had to, I had to, had to incorporate that shit in my little spiel right there. There you go. I'm very proud you of know, you. Brother got bars and stuff. No, I haven't seen you for a minute. Like, <laughs> it's, it's been, been what, like a month? It's been a long time since, since I, I left you. Yes. <laughs> Without <laughs> Without a it's been how, like, has it been a month? It's been a, it's been a minute. <sighs> You've been gone. I've just been your, to Santa Ana. Doing your thug dizzle. Until we got, uh, the fires came through. No, well, I'm... I'm working. I was in Santa and I was working because st- we were interviewing and stuff. And then we have to evacuate on Sunday. Oh, did you? Because the fire was five miles away from the house. Ooh, like, really? literally, I woke up on a Sunday mm-hmm. and I walked past the windows. And <laughs> I'm like, like, why is it black out there? And normally, the thing is, I'm really good at sensing, like, smelling stuff. I didn't smell right. anything. And it wasn't until I walked past again. And I'm, you know, having to look at the pool, like, because, you know, every now and then I like to rescue bees because we have, like, a lot of flowers. <laughs> and the bees fall in the pool. Oh, and I dog. go outside with you the go dogs. Out and get them? I get them. They are in danger. I get a little. Every no, happens. I get a little stick because they'll be kind of fun. And right. I go with a little stick and take them and I dry them out. I give them a little sugar water and they, I resuscitate them and then they go about their business. Really? Yes. Like fucking bee hospital. I don't let bees drown in pools. I don't do that. I, let, I help them. You must not be allergic. Well, you shouldn't because they're dying off and, right. yeah. and we need them for our food. We need them for our food supply. Right. They are part of that, that you know, that interconnection. And it's not think about the, the interdependence. <laughs> you know. Say if the bees go extinct, we have four years until there's no... We have no, four years. Until there's no so I, wow, really? I, as that warm-hearted person who teaches science to oh, little no, people, no. I rescue, <laughs> I rescue. If I need to jump in the pool, I will. But luckily we have sticks where I can reach out and do things. So I, you know, I happened to look. I said, well, let me just kind of just glance because sometimes you could just see them literally. And I look and it was like, hell, had opened up <laughs> and I was like should I be concerned so I turned the news on and then the, the alarms they have it now where your phones they will call your house now and your right. cell phone and they would tell you get the wow. fuck out your house <laughs> we not coming bitches <laughs> go so I had to call my boss and say look I'm gonna hang around here for another 30 minutes y'all need to come home because I'm either gonna snatch up your dogs and go and whatever but they luckily they came in like 15 minutes later and packed up their stuff and, and left so literally we were there wow. and it was like that's coming great. and that's the second time yeah. That's happened in a month. So, yes. That's the thing about having a big, big, beautiful house on a hill. <laughs> you sitting in the hill with the big ass view, and then you got to right. deal with the elements, don't right. you? Well, we were lucky. We supposed to be up there. That's why. See, everything was good because <laughs> the Santa Ana winds was blowing, y'all. It was blowing, mm-hmm. and the problem was she's, she's living in Santa Ana, where the winds get their name from. Right. Where Satan? Yes, yeah, right. called the Devil Wind. That's why it's called the Devil Wind for a reason. But what happened was what had happened like, was we live on San Andreas yes, Fault, but, but it's a had, pretty view. But we had a barrier. Right. We had the ninety-one freeway and the two forty. 
want. We were protected. But what happened was you know, one of those jumps. embers flew over across, right. or as one of my friends said, yeah, like, is that a tree over there? <laughs> <laughs> I think we can make it. It flew right. over and caught <laughs> exactly. fire. As one of my friends in San Diego said, they thought somebody little like, well, how do fires get across it? They said, well, little bunny rabbits catch on fire. Right. And they run across yeah, yeah. the street. And that's you how know, it started. You know what it was? It was a bee. It probably well, was you a bee. Saved, you saved that bee. And, and the bee, bee fucked it all up. And the bee up. fucked it all up. So anyway, so yeah, so I had to evacuate. So I was I was around for a minute, but I wasn't I wasn't near you. <laughs> but I'm so excited today, you guys. All right. Oh, I forgot so to finish your spiel. You hear her voice. You know how we're doing right now, crazy little self. Yes. <clears throat> so that's Lisa Bullock. Yes, you hear me. The street nurse herself. Yes. What's going on, girl? How you been? A lot of stuff popping off. Right, it's been a minute. Hey, uh, I know y'all been listening to the news with Weinstein and and all that kind of stuff that a lot of us knew about, but no one said nothing right, about. Right. But stuff is <clears throat> shoes are hitting, stuff is happening. Yep. Chris said Weinstein hit on him. So hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, got I have other stories. I turned at Miramax for a couple of years, and I, he never hit on me. <laughs> I have other stories about that stuff, right. but uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. The only rumor I know is he's supposed to be well hung. That's the only thing I heard. Of course, that's the one rumor you yeah. were here. That's well, I'm a gay man. I would know that. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, his ugly ass wouldn't pay him. Well, a lot I of wouldn't. stuff's going on, and and all the tw- but I'm excited today. Right. Two things are going on today. One, you've heard me talk about this guy for like since we've been doing the podcast. We've been doing the podcast for three years now. Has over, it been three? Over years? three. Three years. Yeah, yeah. over three years. Mm-hmm. And you guys are always hear me. I always talk about Sam. Joshua Miller. Who? The, uh, Sam Josh Sam J. Miller. Who the who the who the who the sentence bender? You need the mm-hmm. sentence bender right. who you need to be following. And whenever you hear me talk about Claren, you hear me talk about my brother from another mother. Mm-hmm. This is the person I'm always talking about. Uh, bragging on. Right. Fantastic writer, one of my favorite writers out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's here. In West Hollywood. He's like 1920. He's young. He's young like guy. young. Like he was like <laughs> maybe 14 when we did Clarion <laughs> together, and I was like 12. Right. So. <laughs> she, she just said you was older than her. So he's all the way here. You know, he's doing his book tour. He's He was here meeting his book agent and also his TV film agent. Yes. And so I'm just throwing it out there to brag because I need somebody to option this book so I can be in this movie and just be a background character <laughs> to say my line. There they it? go over there. <laughs> <laughs> they went that away. That's all I need. That's all I need. So I always say whenever he was in town, we have to have him come on the show because he's amazing. Can what I just, just read? say we also have my man Chris Derrick in the house. Chris is our cousin. Hi, people. Chris is our cousin. You gonna hear his voice? Like, you gonna hear his voice? Like, you always hear Chris. Chris, and for those of you who don't know, Chris is like our our cousin. Who's like, whenever I'm gone, Chris always is always a real real good dude for coming in and sitting in and like taking over when I'm gone, and also coming in when I'm here because he's one of those people where he has a great perspective. Yes, I love it. I love it. he's a person who appreciates and respects film, and he watches a lot of film, a lot of international film. That's his girlfriend. A lot of classic film. <laughs> I think that is. That's his fiance. That right, That's how it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I ain't gonna get that down, I'm gonna go see a movie or some shit. <laughs> Movies are my mistress. That's, 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 uh... <laughs> and he's also, you know, a director, writer, producer. So he's always great to have in there. And of course, if you heard me talking shit on Twitter about Mother. That's that's the person I saw it with. And he, Chris is really cool because I'll be sitting there making comments, and you know too, because I made some comments when we saw Blade Runner, me and Sam. They were amazing. And amazing so, and we'll talk about Blade Runner okay, because as a science fiction writer, I need you to go in. So can I just read his bio? Let's go in. Because his new Introduce book. Introduce him. This is my brother from another mother. Hi. His name is Sam Joshua, Sam J. Miller. His news book is out. It's got great reviews. Um, do you know that he's got like Jacqueline Woodson? 
uh, oh, did a blurb. Did the blurb. Oh. Yeah, if you don't know who she is, you should like jump over a bridge and like hurt yourself <laughs> right now. Oh, look, you got Alyssa Wong. Hey, Alyssa. Lay down. Yep. Basically, fam. You know, a lot of our friends. Um, I'm going to read his bio. I mean, it doesn't do him justice. Now, were you guys in the same class? At we were in Clarion 2012. Not only were we in the same class, he was my roommate. Yep. Me, him, and Ruby. We were the best roommates. We were the best roommates <laughs> because he respected my need to have a cupcake and a shot of tequila. <laughs> he said, fuck it, Every Thursday, you. look, Thursday was my day. <laughs> cupcake my and tequila. Listen, we had a system. We had a what system. flavor? It was uh, Sprinkles Red Velvet Cupcake. Red Velvet mm. Cupcakes. You know why I don't like those that much? Why? Because I feel like Shut up. my heart is dying. Whenever Shut I eat up. It. It, it's, it's, it's because you're on your you, fourth one. You, that's so good. That's because you guys. It's, it's so good. You're like, oh. Oh, you like it in a good way. I thought you were yeah. saying a negative way. No, no, no. no, I, no hate, I hate it because I eat it. I'm like, oh, my God. Now I'm going to have a heart attack. No, that's what Sprinkles. <laughs> that's the way Sprinkles Red Velvet is. And that was my I reward. Know, I know. Thursday was my day. And then I would go to Sprinkles. And I would come back to our apartment because we had our graduate house. And we shared an apartment together. And I would have the top shelf tequila on top of the refrigerator, and I would come in after we do Mike's critique. Top shelf. Tequila. I was good. Big I knew I was free because once you once you've done your story for the week, mm-hmm. you know you had a good three or four days to like goof off because you didn't have to do nothing else but read other people's shit and chill for a couple mm-hmm. days before you had to write again. Mm-hmm. And literally, I would sit there, I do my shot. And <laughs> you know, Sam was always wonderful because he was a great he's a great elixir of teas. He is the tea master, the tea whisperer. <laughs> so he would make teas, and sometimes we would get up late in the middle of the night, and he'd be up writing, and we'd that sit. And he would steal from the dining hall. And he would steal from the dining <laughs> hall. <laughs> and I always wrote in our apartment. He always wrote inside the UCSD library. Like, he would go, like, a little, he'd pack his really? little bag. He can, can write in all the quiet, huh? Child, he'd be yeah. gone. He would pack his yeah. little bag, and he would leave the apartment. All right, see y'all later. And he'd be gone. I'd be jogging by my iPad. Sometimes I would come to the library. I'd see him, like, huddled up. Didn't you used to be on, like, the top floor? By the pigeons and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know they have these <laughs> shit big ravens, like the biggest ravens you ever saw that just like roost up there and like look at you through the glass like... Forevermore, nevermore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, write those stories. Anyway, so let me read his bio. <clears throat> it is Sam J. Miller. Sam, this is such a cute picture of you and your little Thank cat. you. My dad took that. Aw, so precious. <laughs> yeah. uh, is that coffee you're drinking in that photo? <gasps> yes, of look course. At you. So anyway, so go get his, his book. Poses called, don't work on his book is called otherwise. The Art of Starving, and this is his bio. Sam J. Miller lives in New York City now, but grew up in a small town in upstate New York. He is the he's the last on a long line of butchers, even though he's a vegetarian. Uh, in no particular order, he's been a film critic, a grocery bagger, a community organizer, and activist. He's a strong activist. He works with the homeless in New York. So a lot of times I worry about him because he'll go out in the streets and do stuff, and I'll just be watching his Twitter line, mm-hmm. making sure everything's okay, stuff didn't pop off. So go, Sam. Uh, he's also a secretary. He's been a secretary, a painter's assistant, and a model. And, ooh. Sexy, I'll sexy now. Pa- I'll show you the paintings. You can put it in the show notes. Okay. Uh, and the, and the guitarist for. and a guitarist and a punk rock band. His fiction has been nominated for the... Band, ne- huh? Yes. He has done all that. He has lived all the lies. Uh, and I'm only 19. And he's only 19. <laughs> His fiction has been nominated for the Nebula Award, what, two times? Three times? Three, but you know, three times. The first two times I went to Chicago to go see it, he did not win. I was upset. Oh, that's the one you remember. The third time he was nominated last year, they, it, was at Pitts, it was in Pittsburgh, yeah. and I didn't go. Lisa said, You cannot win. And I told him he can't win because I'd gone the first two times, and I thought, Wouldn't you know it if I wasn't there, he would probably win. And I told him, I said, Could you just not win? I said, this year? I promised not to win, and I didn't. And he did. Just for you. So I love friends that keep their word and keep their promises to us. So like I said, he's been a Nelly Award nominated three times. He's the Theodore Sturgeon Award, and he was longlisted for the Hugo Award and has won the Shirley Jackson Award. If you don't know who Shirley Jackson is, you need to go into your life right now because uh, she's one of the beasts, one of my favorite authors out there. So if you want to learn anything about writing and just learning about how to 
set mood and setting and tone in your writing. Mm-hmm. Shirley Jackson is the one you need to read. He's a graduate of the Clarion Writers Workshop, class of 2012, The Awkward Robots. <laughs> hey! Uh, his husband of 15 years, a nurse practitioner. Hi, Wansi! And Wansi... Um, what kind of name is that? Wansi. Wansi. He's Dominican. Dominican, baby. Okay. His mom made that name up. It's yes. amazing. Right. It's amazing. So he's in there, and he's he's doing some important work in Puerto Rico right now. He's so. actually part of a medical relief mission yes. to Puerto Rico. Wow. So he's it. he's doing the work, and he's also a sci-fi fan, and he's a fabulous, he does his wonderful knitting, and he has the hmm. best fingernail polish. Whenever I'm at their apartment, he has the whole collection right there. I don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> you need to have him on the show. I you really do have Wansi, because we sit there, and he does, we do our nails, and just sit there, and he knits, and we, we watch reality TV. TV, and we just relax and just cackle. And also, like I said, his husband, 50 years as a nurse practitioner, and is way smarter and handsomer than Sam. Although I disagree with that. I think they're both equally handsome. They're like my favorite, favorite couples. I have like a top 25 of couples, <laughs> you know, and they're way up there. Because you know it's when you like the person that, who's top your 25. friend. Top 25, you got to trim that down to like top 10, 25. <laughs> because I love so many people, and I don't want to leave anybody out. I got international people too. But what I love about it is when you have a person who you like your person, but when their husband or partner or, or their wife is just as cool as they are, mm-hmm. to the point where sometimes you will call their partner up to say hi and check in with them and say what's up. Oh yeah, hey you. I do that to a lot of my friends. I don't mean to, my but dad, it's, my dad does that. He but it's because my, their partners are just husband. as cool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'll it's be like, like I don't okay. talk to you in two weeks. What <laughs> <Right>. you <calling? laughs> Right. <laughs> but it's amazing. So anyway, he's an amazing person, and I really want him to come in and talk about his book because when you are at that level of writing that he is, when you're getting nominated for the, the largest and biggest international awards that have to do with science fiction, mm-hmm. I think it's important that I have him come on here and talk about uh, sci-fi, his career, writing sci-fi, and I really want us to get into talking about Let's Blade Runner. Let's get in. Okay? Cool. So first of all, <clears throat> hi, Sam. Hi. Thank Welcome you so much. Show. Welcome to the show. Thank yes. you so much. I'm really happy to be here. I just want to give you a heads up. There might be, I might, you might be humiliated later because I see that you're right next to the own uh, lot, and I might need to break in to get Ralph Angel's uh, <laughs> Raglan sleeve wardrobe wow. from Queen Sugar. Um, <laughs> so if you hear sirens, just like, like draw the blinds all and right. like, pretend dear, you don't know dear me. Dear Oprah, I don't know him. I'm I don't think right. they shoot in here anyway. So. I'm sure they don't, but they might have some some of his clothes, some of his so. memorabilia, or some things okay. laying around. You know, <laughs> they might. Wardrobe could be here. It could yeah. be here. It could it be here. Be I should I should have done more research. I didn't realize until I walked onto the set. <laughs> I think this is just corporate here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. So Sam. Um, we know they're a science fiction writer. Like I said, we know that your story is typically, every time you put a short story out, it's going to be nominate something. You're actually at the level of like a Ted Chang almost now. Oh, stop. Because even though we don't get a story from Ted for like every 10 years or so, every time you fucking have something come out, it's going to be nominated for something. So you're at that level now. Like when you put something out, I'm usually shocked when nothing gets nominated. And that's scary now because a lot of people that we know are but at you, that level. But you know what's been happening? Uh, Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. <clears throat> Every time she has uh, any of her friends who, who win awards or something, she's like, Hollywood, she'll make a big announcement. Right, right. Y'all should buy this. Right. They should. Now, okay. your shit's coming up. All right. so. They should. All right. Because it's because I don't big up most science fiction and stuff, like only the really good stuff. I think right. that really has something. And one of the things I think that, Sam, I think you definitely have in our class is you definitely have a voice. Like, and it's not just, you know, what, not because he writes cool stories because he does, mm. but there's some, like, when I read his stuff, I automatically feel an immediate intimacy. Like, I feel like this is, these are characters that I'm talking, I don't even care if it's a story about, like, there's the one story you wrote about that was amazing that you wrote about the Stonewall in New York. Oh, you wrote myself? Yes. Yes, honey, yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's where, called The Heat of Us. Yes. It was in uh, Uncanny Magazine. It's a World Fantasy Award nominee. Uh, uh, and it's uh, about, it's a re- retelling of Stonewall um, with pyrokinesis. Hmm. 
Okay, so what issue was that in? Uh, I don't know. Just go online. Just go. Yeah, the Heat of Us. It's called yeah, The Heat of Us. I'm going to go look it It's up. amazing. <clears throat> but in every single story that he writes, you immediately, you know, you're with the characters. Like some people you write characters you don't like, you're not interested in, but you just have a very, there's an immediacy to your work. And I think that when I was in Clarion, that was at the level I was trying to get to. It was like, I was like, whenever you put a story up, whenever your story came up, it's like, here we go. It's like, I need to be able to learn how to do that. And I know you've been writing for a long time. You've been writing short stories and stuff longer than I have. So I think your writing is very important. And I'm not saying this just to fluff you up and make you feel wonderful. By all means, continue. continue. But I'm just saying, it's like, there's something very unique. And there's just something, I don't know, it's just something, whenever you have a new story that comes out, I'm ready and I'm always bragging about it, but I really learn a lot from it and I always enjoy it. So what I want you to talk to our our audience who are listening out there, who are writers and screenwriters and all of that, um, tell us a little bit about the book, the making of this book, The Art of Starving. And I don't know, just kind of give us a background in terms of how you got into writing, because not only were you a writer, you edited a book, an anthology called, what is it, uh, Horror After 9-11? Correct. So just kind of give us like a basic, like how you got into writing, what you do, and then we'll get into talking about the book. Sure. Um, well, I, I like to say that I became a writer um, by telling lies so that people would be my friend, um, because in elementary school, I was really bad at sports, and no one liked me, and so I would tell people that I had seen horror movies that I hadn't actually seen. Um, <gasps> I would so, do that too. So I would be like, Liar, liar, I, had, pants on fire. I had read the back of the box of The Shining, so I would tell this long, like, weeks. I would stre- stretch it out over weeks and add all this crazy shit that obviously wasn't in the movie, and nobody <laughs> knew the difference, and, and uh, people were really into it, and then they were my friends. So that's that's the the root of my writing. Um, and this novel that, that, um, that just came out as my debut novel is actually my seventh novel, um, because I wrote six novels before it that uh, I really loved and was really happy with and put out into the world and sent to every agent and editor, and absolutely nobody wanted them. Um, so I feel like I spent like 10 years failing, um, and that was really, like, when I look back on it now, I'm really grateful for that time. I think that um, that's when I got my basics, like the mechanics of prose and how to structure sentences right. and stories, um, and, and it forced me to do a lot of reading and learning about why I wasn't succeeding in writing a good novel. Um, uh, and the other thing that was happening that is like the, the advice that writers always get that they tend to ignore, um, I, I know I heard a thousand times and always ignored, um, was that you know you really have to write the story that is the that is you and that is your story and that you are you know not writing to sell, right? That is not the story that you're trying to be commercial with because the novels that I wrote before this were all me trying to be The Hunger Games right. or right. Uh, any number mm-hmm. of other like novels that I thought would um, sell. Um, and it was only when I got really annoyed with all that um, and said, fuck it, I'm going to write the dark, twisted, messed up, thing with a lot of cursing and gay sex that's sort of like rooted in my uh my own adolescent uh eating disorder experience um and that's that was the book that ended up selling Mm -hmm. i just want to say this i'm sorry to interrupt you but i was just chris came the other night i just did this um i just moderated the the new movie with the new tom cruise movie american made oh my god awesome film writer and he talked about the same thing he had this story i swear to god every time we interview somebody on this show or Mm -hmm. i interview people in other places the one that broke them in was the one that everybody told them not to write and the one that you wrote from here, from your heart. And it's and everybody else experiences writing seven, eight, ten yeah. other scripts or books or whatever in that vein of yeah. trying to trying to do what everybody's asking right. for. And then you go off and go, I'm just gonna write this one. 
that I've been living with forever. Right. And that's what I want to get you with every yeah. time. Well, see, okay, that's a, you know, I see that happen a lot, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel, and that's something that I've been going through of late, and I kind of feel like what's behind that is you write a lot of, there's so much stuff that you're interested in that gra- gravitates you to writing stories, watching movies, right. Right. and you want to tell a story in that space. But that might not necessarily be what people are going to um, get excited about. And, and, and mainly, I think it's because you're writing something that's, that's going to be compared to something else. Mm-hmm. So you write something that's like only you can do. Mm-hmm. No one else can write it. Right. And then you can't compare it to anything because if I'm going to write, I don't know, like a Hunger Games, right? Everyone's going to be like, the first thing they're going to say is like the Hunger Games. And then they're starting to say to themselves, where does it deviate from that? Right. And the minute you deviate in a, in a way that they don't like, then you've lost them. Mm-hmm. But if you tell a story like this, then, you know, they have no idea like where it's going to go either. And that level of surprise is helping you as the, as the writer. Yeah, reminds me a lot when Pulp Fiction first came out mm-hmm. and everyone lost their shit. Sure. You know, because it was like, I mean, we've seen stories before where you have crazy things happen, but it was like the fractured narrative, mm-hmm. the, I mean, just. The poppy dr- dialogue. Yeah, I mean, bringing in John Travolta. Yes, was, just that kind yeah. of thing. And then, of course, as soon as it became like this big successful thing, and I'm pretty sure when they were shopping around, people were like, eh. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. And then when it hit, we had all the derivatives after that. It was like every single movie after that. We yeah. want that, we want that kind of thing. Yeah. But it came from an authentic place. Like we're gonna just put balls to the walls, right? What we want to write. Right. Yeah. Fuck it. This I mean, clearly there's <laughs> like there's money to be made and careers to be built on writing the derivative shit. Like those movies got made. Right. Those movies came out. Those writers are probably doing all right. Um, so I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm sure that works for some people. It mm-hmm. just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Well, no, but, but but I think what happens is. I mean, for screenwriters, is that since you write the original thing and it comes out, then they just, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then they'll turn around and say, oh, come write the next Hunger Games for us. Right. Uh, come to, and you're like, yeah, yeah. fuck, what about my original stuff? <laughs> no, 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 fuck all that. Right. We ain't got time for that shit. Right. Do the shit that's been, you know, the, the, like, the, that we can rehash sure. 10 times and over, right. you know? So. Right. Right. So, so you were writing all these books that didn't go anywhere, like you said. You were writing short stories then, too. Like, I'm trying to remember, because when you came into Clarence, did you already have a couple of short stories that had been published? I mean, I had been publishing since, like, 2002, uh-huh. 2003, um, usually in, like, zines and, like, queer right. magazines that folded the issue that mm. I came out in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, you know, I was, like, putting my stuff out there and, and sending to... You know, I wrote a lot of speculative fiction, but I was very focused on non-genre markets. Um, so I was sending to a lot of literary uh, journals, and I sort of had it in my mind that you did two different things, right? There was like literary fiction where you did smart, deep, awesome character shit, uh, and then there was genre fiction where you did fun, exciting adventure and gnarly aliens and cool technology. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't until Clarion and it wasn't until actually it wasn't until I read Ted Chang that I realized you could do both mm-hmm. um, and that's why I went to Clarion because Ted was teaching um, so that was when my writing got a lot a lot better um, and I had been yeah. publishing in a lot of places including some of the cool literary magazines that I really loved like the Minnesota Review oh, yeah, um, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, that's those places they don't pay you anything and they have very small readerships and they're prestigious right. to a certain like slice of the writer population um, but 
you know, compared to the stuff, the sort of response I get to stories that come out in Lightspeed or Clark's World and the huge volume of people who read and respond to them is like, you know, it's, it's, it's so different. And so it's, it's so much better over here. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's so on that other side. It's like, at last. Because I know that one of the things that, like I said, I, I joke about this all the time, but I'm dead serious when I said this. Like, our first day, we had Jeffrey Ford was our teacher, and he made us write a story before we even came to Clarion. It's a thousand words. No, it was, the, but he made it 500. Oh. He's, it was 500. Okay. Because he said, I don't want 499. I don't want 501. <laughs> yeah. I want exactly 500 words. Wow. And then not only when we came in, he made us get up and read them in front of everybody. Right. So mind you, this is like the first day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, these new people, mm-hmm. you know, me and Sam and Ruby had just gotten to her apartment. We're still mm-hmm. trying to figure out, eh. Because, you know, before you get into Clarion, <laughs> they give you like this private blog. So you're kind of talking to each other like a couple of months before you get there. Right. And of course, you're looking to see like, oh, I wonder who, you know, will be my roommate. And then it was like, they have you fill out a questionnaire about, you know, here are some of the things like you can't tolerate or what you can't have as a roommate. And I just remember two things and that, and, and I, I'm blessed. I don't know if because they just said, just give her what she wants because she's the only black chick in the class. Just make her happy. But it was like when I saw Sam's picture, it was a picture of Sam in water and his, his wants his hand was it was like Sam was swimming in an ocean and he's like looking back scared and it's like this random hand that's coming out to grab him, almost like a horror movie scene. Huh. And I thought, I like this guy. <laughs> this is someone who has a sense of humor right. and he appreciates scary movies. Like, he's got a bit, a bit of whimsy. He's got a bit of whimsy in him. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I can get this guy. And then I saw uh, Ruby's picture. I think Ruby's a picture of her like uh, diving. She just she does a lot of scuba diving. Mm-hmm. So it's like a cool picture of her. And you know how Ruby is. Ruby also has this smirk on her face. Mm-hmm. Like Ruby will be looking at you, but sometimes if you don't know she's making fun of you in her mind or, or she's plotting, you, she's murdering or... you or she's plotting how to what have you. So she had this look and I just thought to myself those are the two people like if I could have somebody like those are the two people I want Mm -hmm. and I remember they gave us the keys and they were like here's your apartment keys all right, and I was like, "Oh, who's got the key?" I got the two people I wanted. Not that I didn't love everybody else in my class. So you didn't know? No, we didn't know. Oh, okay. We just fill out the thing. Like right. some of the questions were like, "What are some things like? Are you a late sleeper? Like, do you grind your teeth at night? You know, are <laughs> you, you a morning it. person? Right. Do you smoke? Do you what have you?" And they just said, "What are some tendencies?" I think I just wrote down oh, one of the random things I wrote down. I'm like, "Well, do you do you sleep in pajamas? Do you walk around naked?" And I was like, "Well." I do sleep nude at times sometimes, and I thought if that's going to be an issue sometimes walking around naked, right. you know, if people, you know, or if we're going to the bathroom because we're sharing a communal bathroom, right. if no one cares. And right. I was like, I really don't care as long as people, like, clean up after themselves right. and leave me the fuck alone <laughs> I mean, and don't talk. It. I said, I'm the type of, I said, give me somebody who's not offended if I don't talk to them mm-hmm. before 12 o'clock. Because I'm not, I'm like, I don't want to hear no shit. I don't want to say hi. I don't want to have no conversations. I need to have that quiet, like, you know, coming yes. into the world, right. that kind it's, of thing. It's to be meditative. Yeah, yeah it's that, it's, and it's the intro, like, I don't need to be, and they gave me the perfect people, because these bitches, <laughs> they would go in and write for hours, and we wouldn't say shit. We could be in the same room together and not say shit. Part of it was that the rooms, the uh, apartments were g- mostly gender uh, aligned, so, like, mostly it was, like, three girls, three boys, um, so I think they stuck the gay guy with the two extra girls. <laughs> were we the only I, one? I, I think so. <laughs> oh, so. Really? So I was thinking about that when you yeah. What? It wasn't because I got what I wanted and because I had put a spell? No, it was totally because of that. I'm sorry. Okay. I never said any of that. <laughs> My magic didn't work? Uh, uh, cut that. My magic didn't work? Like the sage? I've been like, please let me get the people whose picture... Lo-. And here's the thing, though, because I was worried. I was like, because sometimes pictures be lying to bitches. Right. And, all the time. All the time. And, and sometimes people be... Airbrushed li- and, and shit and people, people be making yes. up fake shit. What the and hell? sometimes people lie in their bios because a lot of people right. say, oh, I'm this and this. And you meet them and I'm like, you are totally not what you said like, you were. That is, that is not it. That is. 
not. That is not what that was. You use a damn lie. (laughs) But they were. were. And so, and the thing about it is, even now when we go to conventions together, like every, like, I think we've gone to something, all of us, three of us together, at least every year. Like we were at ICFA together this year. We were at uh, WISCON together. We always share our hotel room together. And we go right into the same mode, which is basically, we don't got to talk. We'll talk. I'm not saying we need to sit in there just like non-social, but there's no need. Like if, you, if I come into the hotel room, somebody could be sitting there reading or napping and I don't have to like, hey, I'll just do my thing, whatever. And it's very comfortable. So, Sam, are you, are you in New York or are you here? I'm He's in, in New York. York. Okay. He's a New Yorker. He rides Brooklyn, a bicycle. Manhattan, Queens. Uh, Manhattan. Manhattan. Like Broadway and 200th Street. Yes. Like you overlook the Citadel. The Citadel? The Cloisters. The Cloisters. Whatever that shit yeah. is over there. <laughs> All I know is I look at your apartment window. I'm like, oh, there's a forest. There's a medieval forest yeah. over there. <laughs> and it looks like a castle. Yeah, which evidently John Rockefeller like tore down like a dozen different Brit- uh, castles in Europe to reassemble to make the Cloisters like tower. Hmm. Um and, it's very and late at night, there's like one window that's always lit up. And I think of it as like the ghost of like a medieval scribe who suddenly woke up and he's in New York. <laughs> like, like the bricks that they took from that <laughs> castle, like had the ghost in them. And so he's like up in the middle of the night writing shit. And he's like, what the fuck is what going happened? on out there? So, yeah. So anyway, and he respects. And one thing I love about Sam is as a writer, he also respects introverts. Because mm-hmm. there's times I'll sit there and we'll hang out together and we just don't say anything. And I always feel like, I hope Sam understands because sometimes I don't feel like talking. And Sam mm-hmm. is just very comfortable. Cam's like, you know, he's like, do you? What makes you happy? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. And like I said, when we have to read our stories, you know, out loud, and it was like, you know, when you go through Clarion and you have like six or seven people and they're reading their shit and you're just like, fuck, I got to bring my A game for yeah. real. Like nope. these, these fuckers, like I thought I got in cause I'm really good or, you know, I got, and I'm just like, damn it, these people, like you, you, you feel inspired to bring your shit, like it, that you level up. Yeah. But see, that's the thing I like a lot about reading show stories in, you know, some of these top magazines like you mentioned, like Car Crew and Chris Wright, short and, and Life Speed too, is that, um, you do get inspired and you do yes. learn a lot without having to like do the commitment of, of reading a novel mm-hmm. and um, I mean you know there's always some story that just makes you go fuck why did right. I think of that right. <laughs> yeah that's what's that's what's so important as a writer I feel like you should always be reading and you should be reading like awesome stuff that makes right. you go fuck right yeah. and unfortunately yeah. there's just not as many magazine outlets like you said so many great magazines have like have folded and I miss people respecting short stories because there's so much great stuff that's that's out there. You know, I mean, I'm really excited that Ted Chang's um, short story got made to a movie. Um, NK, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see. You know what happens in terms of that. So Let's get getting to Clarion, you start. I mean, the first year out. I think the following year, you won the Shirley Jackson Award. I must say I was there in the audience when he won. That's true. And uh, I was like, yeah. What was that story for? What was that? Uh, the story was called 57 Reasons for the Slate Quarry Suicides, which was the first pro sale I made after Clarion, which actually was a year. It was a full year. It was like actually during Clarion 2013, yep. I sold that one. And that first year was fucking rough because yeah. you're at Clarion and you're surrounded by amazing writers and people who are just super passionate about writing and reading science fiction and fantasy and horror. And it's amazing. And then you go home <laughs> and you're like, well... Where you can actually focus all day and write. You can, except that you don't have cool people to hang out with and to bounce off of and to feel part of a really awesome community. Mm -hmm. So that was a really rough year of writing a lot of stories that didn't go anywhere. And, um, you know, when I finally did sell one, I was lucky enough to win an award for it. And, um, 
you know, it, I had written it as a science fiction story. I submitted it to a science fiction magazine. I thought it was a science fiction story, but the editor was like, I want this for my horror magazine. And I was like, well, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> but then it won, it won an award for horror. So I'm like, all right, I guess you know better than me. Okay. I, I it's like, mm, call it what you want. It's okay. Hey, if tone hey. moves you in a freaky way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to listen to that. And then after that, it was like, it seemed like you had stories that were coming out and then this book. Because I got to remember, he sat on it for a long time. It's like, these motherfuckers are going to get some book deals. Because mm-hmm. it was like, right after the other, Carmen Maria Machado. Hey, Carmen, who's in our class? Go get her book also. Shout out to the fact that she her book came out at, on a Tuesday. And then on a Wednesday of that same week was a finalist for the National Book Award. Okay, bitch. So, come on. You know. Come on. You know? and, and she is that good. Like, yeah. You should definitely like she sold book. She sold a story in the middle of our third week of Clarion. <laughs> and we were in workshop, in the workshop and she was like this she gets a text she was like oh my god she has just sold her first pro, made her first pro sale and we were and the, the looks on our face I remember walking down the stairwell looking at the back of your head like damn I, I felt some type of way I did I was <laughs> like <laughs> I'm so we were on our way I'm so happy for oh, you I just remember going down the steps going, shit, it's like that. I mean, I'd heard rumors and stuff, and I heard stories of people like, I think only the only person I ever heard about doing that really was like Ted Chang. Yeah. And it was just like, for you to be like, oh, she just, and you're walking down the steps. I'm like, God damn it. How long, how long is the program? Six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. So yeah, so the art of starving. Like I said, you're on the book tour. You're, you're talking to different people about this book. Can you tell us a little bit about what the book is about? Because I know people are wondering. Because my mom is reading it, and every few minutes she would be calling me like, did this really happen to Sam? And that's when I knew the writing is really good. When my mom, like every other hour she's reading it, she's like, did this really happen? I feel so sad right now. Like, did this really happen? I said, Mom, first of all, it's a science fiction fantasy <laughs> right. uh, book. It's inspired? <laughs> right. It's inspired by... Sam does not you know, have Sam does not have whoa, superpowers. Whoa, whoa. You did fly in here earlier, though. That's true. That's true. So, I, I like to try to, you know, not brag on that. Too right, much. right. You know, I'm like Clark Kenting it over here. <laughs> but tell us about the book, and we're going to get into like what's happening with it now. Awesome. So the elevator pitch is that it is about a bullied small town gay boy with an eating disorder, all of which I was, um, who believes that starving himself awakens latent supernatural abilities, which mine did not, and he uses them to uh, embark on a mission of bloody revenge against his his bullies and the people who he thinks caused his sister to run away from home. So it's Carrie and West Hollywood, right? It's Carrie. It's Carrie. That's Carrie. exactly how I pitched you know it to my what? agent. I was like, I was like, I wrote a book. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's like that's the book. Hey, Jeff Thorne just walked in. Hey, Jeff. What's up, people? Jeff is fam. <laughs> so yeah. So didn't I tell you it's like gay, it's gay care? Yeah. So it's yeah. like the per. It has all the elements that I love. So you got like the science fiction aspect. You kind of got the horror elements, and you've got like that kind of social, you know, angst of a young person, you know, outlier that kind of thing. And that's Jeff, so you can look at. So tell us more. The reception. Uh, so you know, it got some. It got some really good reviews, um, and I've been really uh, happy with it. Um, one f- weird thing that you happened that I hadn't really anticipated was, or I had sort of thought about it, was that a lot of people responded really negatively to the synopsis and when it was announced because um, they were saying that it sounded like it romanticized or glamorized eating disorders, mm-hmm. um, okay. and so. I had been really clear with my agent and my editor that this was coming from a place of personal experience, but I wasn't really prepared to like tell everybody in the world that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I felt like I had to because a lot of people were um, thinking that it was uh, more exploitative, I think. And so I felt like it was important to sort of engage those voices and talk to people and be like, look, 
especially if you're a survivor, I get that this is a tough to- topic to talk about and you might be triggered and I respect that. Um, and here's what, here's how it comes from my experience and why I don't think I'm being exploitative. And not that that means I got it hundred percent right or that my experience maps to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it never, it will never do that hundred percent. Um, but this is what, what I was trying to dramatize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, feeling like I had to change my Twitter bio to include eating disorder survivor and just put it out there to a much greater extent than I'm comfortable with. But, right. um, but also like, you know, I felt like I've gotten a ton of amazing responses from other survivors who are like saying that it validates parts of their experience that no one ever understood right. or uh, right. uh, got. So uh, it's been a, it's been a great it's been a great reception. It's mm-hmm. been. Um, you know, it's the kind of book that is not, I don't think blockbuster material. I don't think it's bestseller material. It's like, it is super messed up. It has a romance <laughs> between a, a gay Jewish and a gay Muslim boy. Uh, like, I think that it's, uh, the, it, it checks off a lot of things that for a lot of people is a deal breaker or, right, right. Uh, you know, uh, not, a, I need this book in my life. He's just uh, trying not to win. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's the, the downside of writing the dark, twisted shit that you, everyone tells you not to write is, right. you know, it's not going to, resonate with people the way the Hunger Games does but mm-hmm. you know um, I mean uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well I mean okay look I'm gonna say this go see ahead. like I think that when, that, when, that when people write material that uh, disturbs people um, I think there's always something of extra value about that because a lot of times people don't want to tell stories that are disturbing, that they want, you know, novels and movies and stuff to be this place of comfort that we go to escape our own kind of shit going on in our life. But but see, I think what you're saying is that, and people who do, and people who are survivors of this and survive, I mean, who respond to and reach out to you, it's like they see some way of like putting their experience into perspective right. that maybe they never could articulate right. and that helps them and i think that's what makes certain kind of material so valid because that's i think on a certain on, on a on like that's why you watch movies and tv and, and read books right. to get that kind of like understanding yep. and that's and I think that as the world is like continuing to get more and more fucked up with shit, and it was, or, 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 it's being, or, okay. or it's being discussed more, right. you, you know, like you want to see stuff and read stuff that speaks to you in, in, in some way, so so you don't feel like I'm totally alone in this situation and no one can understand it, you know? Because yeah. obviously, if if you went through something and then could write it out in a way that that your editors and everyone were like, okay, this is going to be good. Then it's you know it's speaking to you mm-hmm. because it, because if it didn't if they were like oh it's too singular right. there wouldn't be a hardback in front of us right now okay okay be in the trunk with we'll the other just, okay. yeah. we'll just put it online we'll just put it online <laughs> we'll get your little ebook right. and then we'll see how it goes then and you know maybe print on demand perhaps that. I mean to that point I feel like what's disturbing for one person is validating and enlightening and, sure. and affirming for other people and so there's some people that I want to validate and affirm and there's other people who I want to disturb. You yeah, know, there's, yeah. there's, there's, you know, people should be more disturbed than they are. You mm-hmm. know, like, I feel like there's a, you know, I, I, I can, you know, laugh at a stupid comedy as much as the next person. And I mm-hmm. d- agree that there's a value in uh, providing entertainment that takes people out of their fucked up lives. And we're living in a super fucked up world. Um, and I'm all about that. But I also think that if people were more disturbed and more upset, the world would be less fucked up because we would be more like, d- you know, doing something about the mm-hmm. stuff that disturbs us. More. Right. So this week, since you've out here from New York, 
work, you've met with your book agent and you've met with your TV film agent. First of all, tell us how you got your, because I know how you got your book agent. And since we're dealing with like screenwriting and writing that aspect, tell us about how you got your TV film agent and how that meeting went this week. To only tell us what you can. Sure, sure. And just make sure that if it does get picked up an option that, you know, since I'm your girl. <laughs> <laughs> they went that away. That, got your line exactly. in the script already. Who has lived with you in an apartment and who, whenever we go to conventions, we share the same hotel room and we yeah. sit there and look at each other and get snarky. (laughs) Tell us how that happened and what was the meeting like this week? So I have an amazing literary agent named Seth Fishman at the Gernert Company. um, And he, like a lot of literary agents, was New York based. um, But then he moved to LA um, for his wife's, uh, his wife got, um, I think she's in doctor, she's at school, in medical Mm -hmm. school. Um, And so, and I felt very sad. Um, I have the sort of like instinctive, um, obligatory New Yorker antipathy towards LA of like, you you know, that's, (laughs) that's, uh, that place scares me. Um, uh, So I felt sad. Uh, Um, (laughs) Jeff doing back there. (laughs) No, it goes both ways and I respect and celebrate that, you know. Um, There's lots in both places to be, uh, to make fun of. Um, uh, So um, I felt very sad and so um, I don't, know if this was like Seth trying to make me feel better or he just this was just uh, him being a good agent but he connected me with um, my agent at APA um, and you know she read uh, The Art of Starving and my adult novel my adult science fiction novel called Blackfish City which is coming out next year what's it called Black what? Blackfish City great name Love that. Thank you, thank you. That was like Jeff the sixth. Gave, he gave a fifth, but I think it was fifth. Awesome. <laughs> uh, it was like the sixth title, but it's the one we're going with, so I'm really happy with it. Speaking um, of titles, I want to make sure I put on the record that one of the stories that he got nominated with the Nebula Award, mm-hmm. one of the stories, when he was first putting the story out and putting it together, he had went on Facebook and asked all the peeps, mm-hmm. what title should I put out? And he gave us a couple of titles. Right. And I tell you, damn near 90% of the people chose the wrong title. <laughs> and I think it was me and one other one of your black fr- other black friends <laughs> who said, bitch, go with this title. Because the other one, because you know how I am about titles that kind of like are kind of pretentious and it like doing a, a bit much. It was a pretentious title. Yeah. It was doing a bit much. Right. And I said, I'm always like simplicity. Mm-hmm. Give me that visual. So what was the name of it? It was... The pretentious title was Ice is the Truth of Water. Okay. Um, and the title that we went with because poetic. Lisa, yeah, Lisa poetic, said, yeah. don't do that. Right, right. The title we went with was Calved. Yes. Which, um, it didn't get nominated for a Nebula Award, but it did get in it three, been. it did get in three best of the year anthologies. So, uh, what I'm trying to say is the secret of my success, the wind between, beneath my wings is Lisa Bolacaja. I just had to say that. <laughs> Any good decisions no, I've made. The only reason why, because everybody kept giving all their reasons and people were just like, and I always tell people, it's like, look, you want a, you want a title that one, it's going to pique curiosity. Mm-hmm. Number two, kind of give you a little bit what the story might be about. Right. And with Cav, I feel like most people don't know what that is. Yeah, so they're going to be like, they're going to be like, well, what the fuck is that? Right. And it's short and to the point, And it's like, let me read the story. Now, if you would have had the other one, it's like, it sounds very literary. And it had I gone in with I usually because, you know, I always get the best stuff, science fiction, horror ones. And, and even though, God forbid, a lot of our friends that we know sometimes do those titles where I'm just like, no, because it's too much. Don't do that. But I'm just saying, titles matter. And I'm just so happy that me and the 5% that said, don't do that one, and you went with the right choice. You were on the right side of history. Yes, <laughs> indeed. That's Lisa's side. All right, all that's my side. Uh, so, so, so you so, came here and met with the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they, they are super excited about it and pitching it in a bunch of places. Um, and she... 
told me she had like the classic Hollywood experience of going to a meeting and pitching the art of starving and um, an executive being like, oh my God, I love it. It's amazing. I want it. Does he have to be gay? <laughs> Here, said, we hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. Welcome to name? Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, that's why I'm in New York. <laughs> We've all had that. Does he have to be black? Does it have to be black? Does yeah. it have to yeah. be a woman? Does yes. it have to be? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, and I felt very, very like special and important because I went when I went to the meeting. Like Ben Wyatt from Parks and Recreation was like in the next meeting pitching to a bunch of suits, and I'm like, oh my god, there's famous people. Right. right. <laughs> um, uh, which I know that's not the actor's name, but I don't. I only know the character's name. Right. Um, mm. So yeah, it was a fun meeting. I mean, I take a very cynical uh, like. Uh, look at Hollywood like I am and, and movies because while I d- am like obsessed with movies and I'm a total cinephile I'm a writer I'm a novelist and right. that's where that's where my focus is that's where uh, that's that's where I want to be and so mm-hmm. if a movie happens that's amazing right. that's going to help me sell books that's right. going to you know bring a, bring me to a wider audience but that's not my focus and that's not what I need to happen so I'm going in there being like this is a gr- this is fun this is like a life coach because you're telling me how awesome I am and mm-hmm. how everybody loves me and you know talk to you in six months like it's right. it's cool right. um, so I'm I'm really excited and, and happy. Um, so they got you on a little water bottle t- water bottle tour right now. You kind of touring around a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And 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 by they I mean me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the most this is the most bootleg tour ever. This is okay. like uh, I like called up bookstores. Yes. I was like, um, can I come? Great, right, uh, right. And I did have a friend in San Francisco who set up a couple of events, but it was very it's very much like you know Harper Teen, love right. them to death. If you're not a, if you're not one of their biggest authors, they do not put the re- they they can't afford to put their the kind of resources into every author where they put them on tour so I was like I need to make a tour happen if it's it's gonna happen Uh, and I wanna see Lisa and And other cool people and other cool people and and it was my first time back in San Diego since Clarion and it was really emotional and like oh my god this is is where I was born he was was riding his bicycle everywhere and I think (laughs) you know we went to Mysterious Galaxy bookstore hi in San Diego had his book reading a lot of our Clarion peeps came and hung out brought my mom and and my mom was just like oh and it's Sam and she's like oh and I'm like oh my God, mom, please calm yourself. <laughs> calm down, mother. And of course, having lunch and hanging out. So that's all, it's always good. And of course, you know, we were driving on the freeway. So we had just gone. We were on our way to um, go see uh, Blade Runner. And literally, he had rode his bicycle from like, was it Sweetwater High School? Yeah. All the no, way, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. and he, you know, all the way to the other side of town where I usually hang out, where my Lestat's bookstore is. And he's like, get in the car, and it was like having a little puppy in the car because he <laughs> rolled down the windows and was like sticking his head out. Like, he was hot. No, no, no. Was he like, was like, I'm the sorry, air. I know I stink. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> you weren't doing it for that. He was like actually breathing in the air, like the beach air and stuff. And he was like taking pictures and like even in the daytime we were coming back, you know, or just going somewhere, right? You were just like sticking your head out, looking and I the mean, air. And I'm just like, I can be real. He lives in New York. I was going to ever get in a car. <laughs> it's not just that. It's not that is true. But it, the other thing is, I can be real about the fact that as much as I love New York, New York does not smell good. 
right? Like yes. San Diego smells yeah. like eucalyptus and jasmine <laughs> and, fr- and freedom. <laughs> freedom. And, and, and New York smells like urine and bus exhaust and kofifi. Eucalyptus wow. and jasmine. San Diego smells like friendship and magic. <laughs> like New little York, puppies. Okay. Yeah. New York smells like, like that. You know, like, you know what comes to mind is that, that shot in The Dark Knight when Joker has a, he's still in a police car and his head's out the window. Right, like, right. Oh. Yes. Yes. It was so cute. It's like, oh, Sam. But no, he was just like, much, no, he was, no, no, I, I totally get it because it's like, it was one of those, those experiences. And like, if you've ever been to San Diego on the really nice parts of San Diego, um, it's a really beautiful city. And it's mm-hmm. like, I had to leave San Diego to live in LA to really appreciate, to go you. back, like took me 11 years and then go back and like, oh yeah. I this, do that when I go to San Francisco. This place is pretty cool. I grew up in San Francisco. Whenever I go back, I'm like, I love San Francisco. Oh, wow, it's so, besides expensive. Right. Oh my God. Right. And it's full of, Straight people now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like three gay people. Right. It, was like, it used to be gay people and artists, and now it's Twitter people. Okay. Right? People who work at Facebook. Right. Right. People who can afford to live there. Right? Right. Exactly. Now, speaking of which, because one of the things that's been going on in some of the science fiction that's been going on in fiction and in movies and stuff like that is because of the state of the world, it's so bizarre a world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam and like I said, we went and saw Blade Runner 2049, and I did a little tweeter. Twitter thread about it because one of the things I'm notorious for is like when stuff is going on in a movie and I feel like I need to tell the person next to me <laughs> what I am feeling right now. I was Twitter. I was Twitter for you. He was Twitter right. for me where literally I just leaned next to him. First of all, shout out to uh, Arclight La Jolla for having butter. <laughs> I'm still bitter about you this. Still Sam. Put butter in your Lis- popcorn? No, no, listen. No. No. Oh, what are you talking butter. about? Uh, listen, I'm just Buttergate happened a couple butter. years ago. When, when did listen? Not butter. parquet? I mean what was Real Butter. <laughs> Real butter. Uh when did Hateful Eight come out? Uh, oh god. Two years ago? Two years. So two years ago. That's it? Two years okay. ago. Me and my, we, one of my besties, Todd, we went to go see the Hateful Eight. We went to go see the 70 millimeter, the whole big thing. It was my first time going to the Arclight La Jolla. Right. I've always gone to Arclight, but it's like, oh, let me go to La Jolla one. So I get there. Fabulous. You know, the nice part, you know, the richy part of town in La Jolla. Oh, Arclight. You go up the little escalator. Like, oh, we're here. You know, it's the Arclight. Right. You know, liquor, food, grown folk. To me, Arclight is like, you're only paying extra because you don't be fucking with nobody's babies. Right. You, get you don't want me no teens. Loving a sign seat. Yeah. You know, That's a right. sign seating. And it's like grown folks who appreciate right. cinema who are gonna spend that extra and they don't be you know, just people who serious right. about their films. So when you serious about your film, people <laughs> <laughs> and I'm coming One to see a movie and is you know it's a tar- listen, listen, <laughs> listen. You already know it's a Tarantino movie, so you know it's gonna be long as hell. Right. Seventy millimeters. Listen, less. listen. I can't be sitting there like 11 o'clock in the morning with my glass of wine. <laughs> get, listen, it'll be like 2 o'clock in the afternoon by the time that movie's done, so it's 6 o'clock somewhere in the world, all right? It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Listen, <laughs> listen. Got there the night. We went the night before, and what happened was it got sold out, so we bought our tickets like, hey, no problem. Next day, come in there. We're ready. We're good to go. We're ready to go. Got my pop- Getting the popcorn, and the girl goes, oh, there's no butter. I'm, <laughs> she handed me the popcorn thing, noise. and I said... Ain't no butter. <laughs> Why did you not say anything? Before? I'm not paying for this popcorn. Like, we give my cash back right now. And I said, when did you, and I'm thinking, it's only like 11 o'clock. When did you guys run a butter? She said, she goes, yeah, yesterday, last night. I said, y'all didn't think that people today would want some butter? She said, I'm so sorry. Listen, y'all, I was so salty. Oh you know what? It's too early like, for butter. There's a safe no, it's not. Don't give me some butter. It's no, too it's early. Listen, yeah. listen. Too early I said to myself, y'all can't run nobody. 
nobody down. I was like getting real black. You can't run nobody down. Put it in the microwave and melt the shit. You can't run down to the Trader Joe's and get the butter and microwave it and make this happen. Like, come here. Come here. Look, I was blackity black. Go run me my butter right now. Give it to me, bitch. I'll do it. I'll do it. So I went in. And so here's the thing. I'm thinking, and so here's Todd, because God bless you. Todd is my best. She's like, well, Lisa, maybe by the intermission they'll get some butter. Maybe it hasn't, because it's early. We can always, there's going to be a 20-minute. Yeah, the Listen, the good thing is there's going to be a 20-minute intermission. You can go back out. You can get a, go a glass of wine. You, the, the butter should be there. So in my mind, I'm sitting there watching this Tarantino movie going, <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so pretty. Wait, why are we going indoors now? Right. Uh, pitch, oh, all this beautiful scenery and, and 70 millimeter and you bragging about 70 millimeter. Why are we in the stagecoach for 40 Why minutes? are we inside, why are we inside <laughs> right. a building for, right. and I was so, so I was already like petty anyway. Because he's not David Lean. That's why you're Listen. Inside. Listen, so I was always sitting there like, damn it, there ain't no butter. And of course, Taj buys the popcorn with no butter. So she meanwhile, so I got the smell of popcorn. Right. No popcorn. So I got the intermission going, hey, so did we get any butter? And she was just like, no. And I was just like, I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> and I just stood outside the intermission sipping on wine. And was just, so it ruined the movie experience for me. Right. So I told Sam as we're walking up to go see Blade Runner, I said, Sam. <laughs> Which I booked, you know, I was like, let's go here. I didn't get the backstory until we were in the theater already, so I'm sorry. I would never. No, no. I, I, I just told Sam, we're, we're about to go up the escalator. I said, let me tell you about Buttergate, Sam. <laughs> I had to warn him. See, I'm a good friend. I let you know. It's like, I might have a fit, so I'm going to let you know what's going on before we get up in here. This is my trigger. Yes. You know, life, listen, you know nice, Lisa. You listen. Know yeah, yeah, right and so when I came in, I said, oh, is there butter? And so thank you, because Sam was the one who bought, he bought me my popcorn, and he bought me my soda while I went to the restroom. And I was like, oh, and she layered the butter. She gave me a lot of butter. I think she they like, have. I've heard, heard, heard about you. I bet you behind that counter is a photo. Shot. And I said, if you see this woman with these dreadlocks walk up in there, right. y'all better have y'all better go run her butter. <laughs> we, in the safe, there's emergency okay. butter right. for when Lisa whole, comes. Give her a whole bottle of wine if you right. need to. Okay. So yeah, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. So originally, I told Sam this. Originally, I had I had no intent of really going to go see. Blade Runner because I just thought oh Ryan Gosling oh it just looks but a part of me because I love the original Blade Runner even though it has this problem I've seen all the different versions of it there's just something about the sci-fi head in me that just appreciates anything that has to do with futurism and just you know artificial intelligence I, fig- I figure I have to go and pay my respects I wanted to go see it because I felt like this might be the one time somebody, a new director, maybe the new director will put something new in a maze. I mean, he did Arrival, and I really liked Arrival. You know, <laughs> you know, it might be something I don't want to miss. And so the reason why we went to Arclight, because it was the widescreen, and right. so we get in there. So we get in there. Uh, the only, okay, by my count, in that big-ass theater, would you say about maybe 20 people? Not even. Okay, 10. And we were stressed out, like, are these our seats? Are these our seats? Listen, Lisa, it doesn't matter. Dad. There's no one in here. <laughs> I said, was I go, Sam, I go, Sam, we're F8-9. Mind you, me being, me and being polite, Lisa. Make no money. Make no money. Listen, no money. listen, wow. let me tell you. We walked in there, because I'm thinking, oh, blah, 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 because I see a lot of people walking that right. way. So I'm assuming, oh, it's going to be whatever. It's going to be a line. It's going to be whatever. Right. And I was like, oh. And I walked in there, and like you said, I'm sitting there like, are we F8? And literally, Sam is like, bitch, we can sit anywhere in here. Stop stressing over F8, F9. And I went to, I sat down, and I'm like, damn, we really could have just sat anywhere we wanted to. Okay, maybe 10 people? Probably. Maybe 10 people? Right. Okay. I mean, it was, it was, like, it was a Tuesday night. What time night. was it? It was a Tuesday night. It was 7.30. Oh, I thought you were coming on Saturday. No. You know, but. No, it was 
it was a Tuesday this past Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially the well, whatever. I I thought you know, and I told Sam as we're walking and looking at the poster, I said, yeah, I was listening to National Public Radio and I was looking at their ads. They're bragging about the number one movie worldwide. No, normally they say they're number one movie in America. It it didn't even make. I think they were predicting projecting forty million. Did it even make thirty? It made thirty. Happy Death Day knocked it out of the box in its second week. Right. A horror movie. A horror movie, a low-budget horror movie knocked it out, like, out the box. I kind of had an inkling it was because... You know, and I don't know. That came out of nowhere. I didn't hear nothing about it. I usually know about all the horror movies. You didn't know about Happy Death Day? You didn't see those commercials running? Anyway, so... You know, it, I, I saw. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you know, they are bragging about the number one movie in the world, and when they say that's because they got the movie in China, and because a lot of people outside of America, they eat up anything that's American Hollywood anyway, and you got like a bunch of people watching that. So they're going to make it's played in China, make, though. I, I don't think it's played in China. But, Whatever but, it was, it said number one but, in the world. Yeah, I mean, it opened in some places. I mean, look, I feel, you know, the movie has, I think, two issues, three issues with the movie. I think so. One, it's way too expensive. Way, I mean, you know, what they spend on it, how much? <clears throat> but do you feel like you and Sam, both of you, we've all the three of us seen this movie? Do you feel like it? Okay, do you feel like do you feel like that 300 million was on the screen? No, well, yes, but that's the problem. See, the thing is, this someone did a calculation the original film cost 27 million dollars really? in, in 82, and and which, which was about what 60 today or something. Well, like, well, no, they said it was like seventy five today. Okay, right. okay, yeah. so 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 you don't really want to spend more than that, right. because the movie was a flop when it came out. It's very difficult to find people to agree upon what version is the right. version they like the most, right. um, and the people who haven't seen the movie don't know what version to see. Right. Right. So 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 that's a big problem. Two casting. Casting was absolutely <laughs> was like aggressively disrespectful. Damn. You said to aggressively to Los Angeles to, to LA. Okay. To the original film. Okay. To the original film. Yes. Because there was a really interesting video I saw about two years ago where this guy from England was saying, if you look at this movie Blade Runner. The original? The original. Okay. It it like it kind of appears that all the white people are are, are, are on the all four colonies, right. and it's only uh, and the people who are left in this who are left on the ground are the color folk are the color people. Uh-huh. And if you and, 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 you, and if you go back and look at the movie, that's kind of what happens. Mm. And the, and then you go look back at this movie, and it's like there's no one black, there's no one Asian, there's no one Latino right. in any substantial role really? and positions of power you know, or anything positions, see, they gave Edward James almost yes. one scene he which one is scene, like criminal where Lisa said, no, Lisa said why they got him looking like Colonel Sanders no no he looked like he was selling a two piece bucket yeah. Yeah. wow yeah, but, but what was worse was he's speaking English yes and the thing is in the other in movie, the movie he's speaking the gutter speech yes. and I'm like he would never he speak speaking English that pigeon, you yes. fucked that up so bad yes. that I was like you know what why why and to me the worst casting is Jared Leto. Yeah, because because number one, he's he, he didn't bring anything to the movie. <clears throat> number two, like two sentences into every time he speaks, I'm like, I don't care what you say, because right? wow. it's so <laughs> because it's so like esoteric and it doesn't have anything yeah, to do yeah, anything. Yeah. That, it's that, like that, super I, I was like, I was like, right. what are you doing? That, right. that like that's not that's not cool. Now to me, it would have been really dope. 
if you if you got Viola Davis to play that role, and this is why because he's playing the Tyrell right. character, right? Right. He's the one who's giving like I'm going to give birth to these new type of people, right? Mm-hmm. If you had a black woman in that role, listen, listen, the kind of like deep kind of like the whoa, subtext wait, of the Lucy, subtext yes, of all that yes. being said, yeah. and then on top of that. This is the thing that I have not seen in a science fiction movie that, that deals with robots that are used as an indentured servant classes. Somebody black charged with hunting them down. Mm-hmm. Because if a black person hunting down a slave, mm-hmm. what does that say? That would be so cool to see because they didn't do it in iRobot and they could have done it in this and they didn't do it. And I was like, you guys keep dropping the ball. Right. It could be really, really cool. Right. And everyone's kind of fucking up. Can I just say that, that all those points, because when I looked at Sam... I, the first things I kept saying was, you know, after we discussed it, we went and ate at Denny's. We went to a 24-hour Denny's, sat there, and we ate, and then we just started, like, debriefing, like, well, what did you think? And, you know, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, I gave it a 6. And the 6 was only for the, the score and just the pretty visuals. <laughs> the score? I thought the score ruined the movie. I, no, I did not. No. No. The score, no. The score was the only thing Jeff that said you're harsh. <laughs> look, I'm usually not if harsh on score, anything. I, I mean, look, I'm usually not that harsh on anything. But I'm letting you know. That this score is going to get nominated. You mark my word. You want to bet five dollars? Anything. I love the score, but you know, shit gets nominated. Okay, 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 okay. That's so, it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's true. But that's see, true. but see, to me, to me, the Vangelis score. In the original mm-hmm. is as seminal to that world as the John Williams score are to the Raiders and but to I the think, Star Wars movie. Think, if you don't even like a, like a, and, and and the half-ass attempts that they used to, to you know to, but look, to, to Hans drop Zimmer that in and there, the other dude I, is giving an homage. I mean, it's giving I an homage like, to the original. No, it's, it's just like and, and and to me the biggest mistake the biggest mistake of the movie is there's no Roy Batty character. Yeah. And I feel that if you look at Blade Runner, much like Star Wars movies, if you if you don't have a good villain, yeah. then mm-hmm. you because in this in the movie you don't really yeah and you you don't really know who the villain I mean the villain no is, actually the badass lady robot was awesome the robot she, was awesome but she should have been Latino and it would have been a lot cooler of course, yeah, yeah now she should have been the Blade Runner or the Latino <laughs> Blade Runner <laughs> well she should have been she should have been but see the thing. <laughs> I'm working. That's, that's I'm working. Jeff, I'm, that's I'm Jeff working in the background. Stuff. I'm working on stuff. I'm just saying this. I see. See to me. To me, it's just casting because if if, 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 it, if I mean, in terms of like a business thing, if you cast this differently, mm-hmm. I guarantee you it makes more money. It's, it, it, it would make a grip. It would make a grip because the way the movie plays, it's the the same thing. It's like like the people in positions of power, people who have the most big. They were all white people. Like even the white women. There was a variety of white women, and I say variety. I mean in accents <laughs> and costumes. Right. That's about as much variety as you're gonna get. Complete absence of variety. Okay, no, no, complete no, no, absence of variety. See, okay. <laughs> Okay. Says, says the white guy. All right. By the way. And then on top of that, on top of that, how you fuck you gonna kill Robin Wright? Uh, you talking about Wonder Woman? Robin? No, 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 no. Robin Wright is Both. in. Both. Really? Both. She plays the Captain Bryant character in this movie, yes. and I'm like, that's not cool. Why, what are you doing in her office? <laughs> And then don't use it. And then and then throw it in the garbage can. No, 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 no. The part that got me the most was they go to that orphanage. Right. It's all white kids and, and orphans, and it's the head it's guy. It's all white kids and orphans. I'm like, there's no Latino kid, there's no Latin kid, there's no. There was Indian a couple kid, of suspects no, that could have been nobody, coded, coded maybe. I, I made, but that's just like I just I just felt like it was such a betrayal to what the other movie was, which was so fascinating. And and see, there's there's a point that I 
con- a contention about the original film that I tell people why I like the theatrical cut with the voiceover. voiceover because there's two really, really important lines that are said in the voiceover there that, 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 that you would never know. The nigga line. The nigga line. Nah, yep. Captain Brian said, "This is okay." He says, "Captain Brian, he's the type of cop in history books who called black men niggers." Really? Now that's letting you know because it's all talking about the past tense that that level of racial animosity on it's the police still, is right. gone. Right. It's gone because it's in the past. Right. It's so it's kind of saying the world has moved past that moment. And you don't have that if you don't have that, that right. line. And the know? subtext of that, as an audience member watching that, right. you're like, eh, oh, it's still happening. Right. So right. maybe in the future it's there's just, some hope right. for us. Exactly, yes. Maybe yes. there's right. some hope for us. Either well, those cops don't get allowed to be right. on the force because of some psych evaluation, or society's moved past right. them. And and they they try, or they, they sent them to outer space. Right. And they try to like give a, a, a you know, because they call the, the people who, the Blade Runner skin jobs, and they basically tell them, like, you know, there's a scene where he's walking in the, the cop's office, and the other cops are like mad at him and just like treat him with disrespect and kind of like prejudice against him to kind of give an idea like oh these particular characters you know are are podcast bomb um also <laughs> in the original film when you look at Los Angeles dark rainy right. messed up Los Angeles all the extras are multi-ethnic yes right. all of them all of them uh, asian latin black there's not it's thrown away though it's not uh, it's, there's no point made of it. Right. And then the only point it's made is when the almost character shows up and he's speaking, from our point of view, another language. Right. But English is the gutter language. Yeah. So if in the future you have a new language, that's the new English exactly. based on all these people. Yeah. They'd have right. to make a big deal about it. It could have been so right easily fixed. <laughs> easily fixed. Yeah. I mean, there's a level on which the original feels like it's like a post-American future where right. like Japanese and Russian and, and Bengali are like everywhere and, uh, you know, the sort of American dominance is sort of over and right. LA feels like a like a city past its like, that's like in decline. Mm-hmm. Um, but this feels, this does not carry that. Yeah, and it's like, it's feel. very, and like I said, there are a few. You can see a few people of color in the background and stuff like that. But and even don't even come back. and even in the characters who speak, though, like most of the speaking characters that have real, uh, you know, role are white characters, and the ones that are black, mm. you know, because just like two black characters in there. Mm-hmm. There's do I can't. I'm sorry. I apologize. I can't remember his name. The Ethiopian actor who was in Captain. Phil. I, Captain I, I Phillips. I forget he's in the movie, but yeah. Him, uh, Lenny James, if you know him from uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. Yes. Small role. And small role. Yes. Being, being villain. He's, a chi- he's being, he's being a villain. He's a, sla- he's a child slave laborer overseer. The guy in, in from the Captain Phillips, Phillips yeah. movie, which I didn't see because I thought, eh, that looks like trash. And... <laughs> And I knew what was going to happen as soon as I shown home dude. I said, and, uh, "This his punchline is going to be like his line is going to become a punchline and a meme." And it definitely did. Mm-hmm. They had him in a role of being kind of a nefarious character who can get you all the goods. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of like your drug dealer. Yeah, but kind of like. But, 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 and the one black female they had who was a light skinned black female, she's of course the sex worker, you know. So there's your that's the, would be. and Wood Harris was in it too. Yeah, Wood Harris had a super 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 small role. Yeah, but I didn't even pay attention because yeah. it was like non. The, the corollary to that and, and the sort of like, uh, you know, bizarre uh, lack of variety uh, in this world is the super, super, super heteronormativity yes. of it. Yes. And so there's like, everywhere you look, there's like an inexplicable naked lady statue with like, yes. with like 
high heels and fingernails. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and there's even a scene where, um, you know, Ryan Gosling is having sex with these two women and like they're all voluptuous and taking off their clothes and being all sexy. And I'm like, okay. Here we here, go. Here's we ready. Where Ryan Gosling we ready. Off his fucking we ready. Shirt. I see his neck. I, I know see he it. Wore, it's I know coming through. Out for this yes, part. we was ready. Cut to like this rainy street. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, bitch. Okay. And I looked at I looked at Sam like, ain't this a bitch? I'm like, ain't this some shit right here? And, and then there's like the sex workers outside. I'm like, there's no rem, no rem there's boys, no boys right. in L. A. Like, right. come there's, on. Now. There's you know, there's like some you know some super rich woman who's going around picking up young women. Mm-hmm. You know, people different. You know, non-binary folks. I mean, I would think that kind of scene mm-hmm. where sex is so open like that, you would have everybody. I mean, it's an easy fix. Yeah. It's an easy. Yeah. It's just yeah. extras. Right. It's just extras. And with the sex, all the ads with the naked women's like, have some kind of gender parody and non-binary Here's gender parody. Where's too, my naked though. man walking around coming up to me while I'm riding my bicycle going, hey. Excuse you me while have, I whip it out. <laughs> here my penis is hanging out. I mean, because they had the women walking around with the titties all right. up in the sky, butt naked, asses right. showing everything. And I'm like, where's, what? Well, hey. But I'm saying if, and, I mean, but none of the ads had right. any men. They were all women, but half naked. Is, why weren't Where's they Asian? Because if you, remember, right. if you remember in the other movie, on all the billboards, there's there Asian, Asian women. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, so yes, Japan might not be in, you know, in prominence anymore. Maybe it's China. But what they're saying in that version is that Japan stayed dominant. So it's not, it's not following right. necessarily what is happening with us geopolitically. Right. And I just kind of like, you got, and, and it's like, it's the thing that Jeff said when he came out a minute ago, yeah. is that there's all those little moments, and, and, and Rindy Scott's so good for this in that movie only, is that the action will happen and the camera will kind of pan off mm-hmm. and pick up all this kind of stuff in the background right. yeah. mm-hmm. and linger for like maybe a second or two and then it will cut away. Right. And that added this kind of like, you know, something that, what's his name, did in um, Children of Men, Alfonso uh, yeah, yeah. Caron, yeah. where so that the audience gets an understanding of how exactly. the world has changed, right. but it's not necessarily a story point, but it doesn't drag in the story. Exactly. <laughs> And it's like you have all these Asian things, like you have their food, their clothing, mm-hmm. their hair. Mm-hmm. Everything has an Asian aesthetic, whether it's from Japan or China or whatever, and you hardly see any Asian. The only time I saw like one specific, I thought, oh my God, there's an Asian person. Right. It was the little girl in one of the scenes where they're like kept making these memories. And it was like the one Asian girl. I'm like, you ain't got no black kids. It's all white mm-hmm. kids. One it was like so blatant to me. And and like the women, and I, you know, you know me, I'm a freak. And I don't <laughs> I I have no problems with nudity. <laughs> But it was like, it got to the point where it was like, damn, Dennis, I know you like titties and ass. Like, I, right. we get it, dude. It's a total dude fan. It's It, it really is. A it's a flying car between yes. the mouths of the two naked women who are, who are like, titties are pointed up to the stars. It's like, high this is, And then when they had the big old, like, how many high heels do we need to see with these long legs and like vaginas bent over? And I kept, I remember I turned to you and I'm like, I started quoting Cardi B. I was like, damn. These are expensive shoes. <laughs> these is red bottoms. These is bloody shoes. And so, Sam's like, stop. <laughs> like, and then it was like, what? Halfway through, I was like, Sam, they got to wrap the shit up. Yeah, like, yeah, I that's, cannot. That's the other thing is like, uh, there's all these problems uh, about, it's the, about, about its vision if of the future. To. Like, I love, like, like, I love a good composition. I'll watch a 90 second shot of the reflection of water rippling on the ceiling. I'll right. do that. I love it. But most people will not. Right. And most people will be bored out of their right. minds. Right. And there was a lot of that. Yes. So I am not surprised that this movie is that's not why it was long as a fuck, blockbuster it? it's long I, as it fuck. needs a great great editing yeah. i don't know i'm i'm kind of torn the idea it might make a little voiceover i mean they totally miscast everything 
there's just so well, much, so and there's things that, that they could have done see, to fix see, it, see, and it's yeah, just see, you had an opportunity and they fucked it to up. To me, I think right. they feel that the this <clears> my last thing. The voiceover thing is interesting because if you hadn't seen the original movie, so there's no voiceover in this no movie. Voiceover. If, oh. And 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 if you don't like dive in the rabbit hole of what the movie is trying to say, and it's never said in the original movie that Deckard is right. a replicant or not. That's something that's just discerned and is like, what? you know, it's 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 it, 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 it's not said. I'm out. You know, <laughs> did this movie say he's a replicant? No. Okay, because I'm about to go and no, no. but no, probably a whole different. But they make it <laughs> seem that's what it is. They make it seem like two replicants had a child. That's kind of what the, the I didn't get that. The, 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 I didn't get that. It made the case the opposite. It made actually. the uh, to me. It made the opposite case. It made the case to me that Deckard was actually human. It better be. Well, and, see, oh. that's what I believe. But some people say, no, no, no. It's really Scott. And so I'm saying again that so there's a point of contention depending on which version of, of the film that, that you that you want to watch. And then in this movie, it's never explained which version are they going with. Are they going with and that, human uh, or are they going with him and as to a me, That's their biggest that's mistake. That's the problem. And that well, to me kind of one of one of their many problems. It's like what happens? Right. I mean, I, I, you know what? I was telling Linnell, it's the last thing. And, and the <laughs> <laughs> are you sure, Chris? <laughs> I, this is what I want to get. I said to myself, what would be really cool. I've only seen this in Cockwork Oranges. What's it like if you condition a human to believe that they're not human? Right. And it would have been right. really cool if Ryan Gosling's character actually was a human and they convinced him that he, he was wasn't. a replicant. Right. And then okay. he figures out that he's not. That could have been interesting. That would have been but that would have been something for me if the, if it's edited well and it takes the shirt off and it takes the shirt off and it shows us some stuff like it's just it's it's it was a it was a hit or miss movie and I think they missed a lot I think. It's it's for those people who keep questioning us whether it's worth going to see. I think that if you're a fan of the original and you're an OG like that, I think it's worth going to see just to see and to compare. Um, I also think that should Jeff Thorne go see the movie? No, Jeff should I don't not. Think Jeff's going to see Jeff, this movie. Jeff, Jeff should not. Jeff should not go and see it. But I think they missed the mark in the terms of you're gonna get arrested going. We, see the movie. You can't you can't really make a remake this long. In time from the original, and especially a movie that was a flop, and just assume that just because it became a cult classic, that it's going to carry over and that people are going to get it. And I think they 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 messed up a good opportunity. Um, I do believe the soundtrack, the original score, is going to get nominated. I think the score to me is what helped save the movie. It kept going for me, and I think the visuals help. But I just think that it is just there's just so much it could have been, and it's not. So with that being said, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. This is amazing. We got to have Sam, whenever you come back again, when that movie comes out, you got to come yes. and come talk to us again. For the next book. For the, the next book. Blackfish April, April, April 2018. Blackfish City. Yep. Pitch, pitch this one to us one more time. Tell us the book that they need to go yeah, and get Where can they right go now. get it? Where can they go get it? Uh, the Art of Starving <laughs> is in most bookstores and available online, and it's from Harper Teen, and it's called The Art of Starving. Cool. That's what's up. Thank you so much. Are you much. on Twitter or Facebook? I or am. I am or? at SentenceBender on Twitter uh, because at Sam J. Miller was taken by this guy who has me blocked because people keep tagging him into conversations about me that he doesn't want to hear about. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I am on Instagram at Sam.J.Miller. Cool. Where are you at, Chris? I'm at UnauthorizedCBD on Twitter and Instagram and on ShadowboxerCinema.net. That was up. Lisa, Lisa, Colt. You know I'm at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. 
She going in on people. You read some stuff on Pitch Flicks. Uh, yeah, so shout out to the people on Twitter. Hey, shout out to Michael Damon Thomas who who hit me up on Twitter to, and said, bitch, where's my story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring it up. I know. And Damn. I was like, uh, I was like, Sam already's giving me looks already. So, yeah. This and, is an amazing writer who writes amazing stories and doesn't send them anywhere. You know what? Mind your business. Believe me. <laughs> this is my business. Trust me. You and I can talk about this for a whole awesome. episode. I've been trying to get on. Mind your business. Here. I just got to think, you know, hey, hey. But shout out to the fam, you know, for people who are, who are hanging out there who are, are down for science fiction, those of you who've been supporting Sam's writing career, my writing career, who've been putting in the good work. Because one of the things that people don't realize that, if you Sam. Submitted them shit. Yes. You have a career. Mm-hmm. That's all yes. Look, y'all put me out on blast like that hey, for like what? I need you to know. This, this, this story has Submission costs no money. <laughs> Submission costs no money. Right. Anyway, we're here to talk about Sam. So, <laughs> Sam so anyway. wants to talk about you. Hey, so yeah, you can catch me on Twitter. You can catch me a lot of times uh, riffing with Sam back and forth on stuff. And one of the things that people don't realize about me and Sam, we both love dinosaurs. Right. And we both crack up. If you just want to get a chuckle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a meme out there that takes old golden books from the children's books right. and puts adult versions on them. <laughs> but there's one that's a <laughs> Both I have it. I have it on my phone. I sent it to Sam. It's a golden, it's a golden oh, child's book. It's, it's, it's a picture of these two dinosaurs. One has a really long and the other one's like a T-Rex. And the title of the book... <laughs> Fight me, you long-ass bitch. <laughs> Which, some, some people are like... Well, I don't get it. They don't get it. Because they don't put the emphasis right. So how is it supposed to be pronounced? How is <laughs> I can't help it. It's like, well, fight me, you long ass. It's just the tonal <laughs> thing because the way that because when you see, when you see the writing of it and you see the two dinosaurs on it, it's so inappropriate, <laughs> but it's so fucking funny that no matter. I swear to God, if I just tweet it out to Sam, we both fall apart. Or he tweets it out to me. Anytime we see anything with dinosaurs, that's hilarious. And also, Sam's a fantastic <laughs> artist, so he's known for drawing dinosaurs and people, and then he'll juxtapose the drawing of a dinosaur, a cartoon drawing with a real life picture. Right. So he has a picture of me. I said, draw me with Godzilla as my pet and do something with it. So he drew a picture of me with my, what's I wearing? Like some kind of like. Who drew the, who drew you the mermaid? Who did that? Oh, that's the artist. Um, oh, I was wondering. Pamelina. Yeah. Uh, but for Sam, yeah, he just draw on it. So he has a picture of me, Godzilla. I think I'm wearing, am I wearing? You had sort of a Western. Kind of a Western native, uh, kind of thing. And I'm standing in front of, we're standing in front of the UCSD library. <laughs> so it's the real life picture of the library with a cigar. You know, my little machete and Godzilla. So he's an artist, an activist. He's doing great work in New York with the homeless people and just really out there doing the work. He, he writes amazing stuff. I wouldn't brag about people because... I don't like stuff coming back on me. I don't like people going up to me and saying, you was wrong. But Sam is one of the people, if I say go get his stuff, if I say go online and read his stories, um, it's because it's, it's excellent. And I think it, he has a voice that, that needs to be heard. And when this movie comes out and he's rich and famous and fancy, and then he'll have a little cottage house in upstate New York that I can come and stay and write in and visit him, that would be awesome, Sam. That's what's up. If I'm not in jail for breaking into the own network. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. Follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We need that for the Matrix. Um... Big shout out to everybody again. Thank you guys for all coming in. Shout out to all the countries that are following us. We appreciate it. 
Um, so much you going. I'm taking off to um, Sacramento. We're doing the big concert scene this week. Okay. So I'll be gone all week. Um, anyway, so things are good. Uh, just got a new literary manager, so things are good. We'll talk Look about at you. Uh, you always got something going on. I always on. got some shit going on. Anyway, so thanks, Sam. Thank you Chris, so much. Lisa, mm-hmm. everybody joining me for Wakanda. You know the new shit we the got The new now. thing is Wakanda. <clears throat> so on this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. Peace. Peace. Wakanda is the new word? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the rent room